Welcome back to the Beef Up Front College Football Show. This is your host, Ryan Coyle. Join alongside Joe Kometz for our weekly show, College Football Big Five Games of the Week. This week, though, we have 10 games for you with our conference title game previews. Uh, and along with, we'll go over, talk about the newest college football playoff rankings and also some of the major college uh, coaching changes that we've seen in the past few days. I can't really remember this many big-name hires going to different schools, so... Uh, a lot of stuff to catch up on, though. After a very good week for both of us last week, I went 13-5. and five. Joe, you went 12-6. and six. Uh, I'm now at 53-30 and 30 on the year, and you are at 55-28. and 28. So uh, these games have all been straight up, but we've been having a really good year with our picks. I mean, yeah, I don't care what you're picking. What, what did you say? You were, you were 53, I had 55 wins? Mm-hmm. I don't care what we're picking. That's a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, beef is hot. You know, we've mm-hmm. been saying all year. We're not stupid. I mean, I'm stupid, but we know what we're talking about when it comes to college football. So keep listening to us. We know what we're talking about. And pretty much like all our games, it's not like we pick like cupcakes. Like every game is usually like at least under like a 10-point spread because we try to pick the five best games or the five most meaningful games each and every week. So we've had a a really good year looking to carry it into the conference title weekend. Uh, First, though, we'll talk about the the new playoff rankings we got – Georgia at one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four. Uh, then to round out the top ten, we got Oklahoma State at five, Notre Dame six, Ohio State seven, Ole Miss eight, Baylor nine, and Oregon ten. Uh, what are your major takeaways from the, from that newest top ten, Joe? That outside of the dividing line is at Notre Dame, and even then, Notre Dame. You know, if I when everything I think is going to happen, I don't think Notre Dame's getting in. Um, the complete chaos team that could still maybe get in is if Baylor wins. They mm-hmm. would literally need Bama, Michigan, and Cincinnati all to lose for that to even be a possibility, which I don't think is going to happen. But, um, yeah, no, outside of the top six, it's really – that's all that's left. And Notre Dame doesn't have anything to play for this week. So, really, I would say outside of the top five, there's no chance of anyone else really getting in. Yeah, the guys on the the broadcast were talking about how maybe Baylor, but they slipped a spot too, so they would have to go from nine all the way to yeah, four. Yeah, a big jump, even if they were to win. They would basically hard. need Michigan, uh, Alabama, Cincinnati, all to lose, them to beat Oklahoma State, and then they would have to have to jump Notre Dame too. It's just too much uh, going on. But yeah. Michigan at two. Uh, Saw that coming after the Ohio State game. And then Alabama. So Cincinnati is really rooting for Georgia to win. If Alabama wins and Oklahoma State wins, I think that'll be the top four Cincinnati on, yeah, it, on the outside. Yeah, I think Cincinnati would flip-flop with Oklahoma State. And then so how about some of these new coaching hires uh, coming from a Notre Dame fan? What are your thoughts on Brian Kelly leaving for LSU? I mean, it sucks because he was obviously – since I've started watching, like really paying attention to college football, Brian Kelly's been the coach at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, he's been awesome. Um, but I was talking, you know, with my dad and was like seeing on Twitter and stuff. He kind of topped out at Notre Dame. He kind of did everything he could, you know, until Notre Dame joins a conference, if that even happens. And with Notre Dame's like academic restrictions, mm-hmm. you could only get so high. I mean, he made it to the 2012 national title game, got his ass kicked by Saban, made it to the playoff in 20. 20- 19 was it or 2018 lost to Clemson got killed by Clemson and then he and then against year. Trevor Lawrence last year they he lost to Trevor Lawrence in the AC title game big 
then the fact that they were even in the playoffs still was crazy. Mm-hmm. And they lost to Alabama bad. Like, they got killed by Bama. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did everything he could. That's been kind of the common theme that he's, like, topped out a little bit. But the, their AD said, like, he didn't even, like, really talk about, like, you know, he wants facility upgrades or a higher pay. He kind of just, like, left. And I think it was one of those, like, non-negotiable things where he just felt like his time was up there. Um, but I was kind of surprised to see LSU get him. I thought they would might have got Lincoln Riley uh, or even Dave Aranda. I was surprised that Brian Kelly, because considering how Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, Oklahoma is a very good program still right now. Texas, though, nothing really special right now, but still they're getting good recruits, both of those schools. Um, now you're going down to the SEC. It's just going to be even better. So um, more competition for Brian Kelly, but he's another guy who we saw Ed Orgeron, LSU guy himself, won the national title two years ago and got fired. You got to think kind of what kind of leash does Brian Kelly have. Uh, but another thing I was really surprised at, I heard today that like next, this upcoming year and the year after, like we're projected to be Brian Kelly's like two best recruiting classes at Notre Dame, and and he decided to leave. So yeah, I thought that was weird. And also, if you look at it, this year's Notre Dame team might be his best coaching job at Notre Dame yet. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're eleven and one and even have a shot at the playoff is crazy. And um, one thing that you know we were watching the rankings, the chair of the committee said him leaving Notre Dame actually impacted what the committee thought. So I don't know if Notre Dame was originally going to be at five, and they found out Brian Kelly was gone. But this could open up the door, you know, for if, if there is chaos, Notre Dame may be still getting left out for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because now without Brian Kelly, you do got to wonder what Notre Dame team would really be there. So Yeah. And then the other major one was Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. I think the big thing that I've been hearing all year regarding the USC job since the, uh, they fired Clay Helton back in week four, I believe, was if you look at a lot of the top college quarterbacks, I mean, even at least going into the year, DJ from Clemson, he's a Southern California guy. Bryce Young, Southern California. CJ Stroud, Southern California. They're letting all these good quarterbacks get out. Now Lincoln Riley comes in. We already saw that the top quarterback for 2023 was committed to Oklahoma. He's from Southern California. He's already flipped that and has now committed to USC. Yeah, a lot of the top commits for Oklahoma are all decommitted. And I think three or four of them were all from the Southern California area. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you know we saw with USC, we were – still younger, but, you know, you see when you and Pete Carroll was there and USC was rolling, anyone basically from the Rocky Mountains West, USC has first dibs on. Yep. And USC ran the pack, went back, it was the pack 10 Now, if, you know, Lincoln Riley can get USC back up to what they were, even 2013 with Matt Barkley, they were a preseason top five team. You know, get them back rolling again, get people interested, because that's the one thing out West. If you're not winning, no one cares. Yeah. Because there's a lot, there's so much to do out in L.A., especially on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night. So I think Lincoln Riley is going to be a great hire, and I think you're going to look up in three to four years, and they could become what Clemson is in the ACC. Mm, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them uh, compete for the Pac-12 next year, probably with Oregon and Utah, just because I think also transfer portal alone, you're going to be getting a lot of guys. You could even see Caleb Williams, his quarterback from Oklahoma, transfer there. So a lot of moving parts. Uh, also, Billy Napier goes to Florida. I uh, thought that was kind of a – it sounds like a good hire. I looked at his resume earlier. He's been in a lot of stops. He's coached at a lot of high-level programs. But you see LSU go get a top-level coach like Brian Kelly. USC go get a top-level coach like Lincoln Riley. Then Florida kind of settles, I think you could say, for a, a group of five coach who could wind up being a very good coach. But you look at the last group of five hire they had in McElwain. He was gone in a few years. 
Um, I think that they could have potentially gone out and, and got a bigger name if they really want to be. Because if worst comes to worst, I think give Dan Mullen another year. I mean, other than this year, he's had some really good success there so far and gave Alabama probably outside of Georgia the best like fight over the, his last four years there. Going into the LSU game last year, he had one. They were like 9-1 and because of COVID. They were in the SEC title game. They lost their last three. They lost to LSU, the SEC title game, and the bowl game. But going into the LSU game, he was nine and one and had a chance at the playoff. Yeah. Now he goes six and six this year. He was full five and six technically because he was fired before that Florida State game. But I mean, it's just crazy how quick in the SEC. If you have one bad year at a top tier program, you're done. Um, I also think the jump from Louisiana Lafayette to Florida. It's not like, you know, Cincinnati like with Luke Fickle potentially going somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's built them into a potential playoff team. Mm-hmm. Louisiana Lafayette last year, I think, was at best like 15th or 20th. And they weren't even in – they haven't been in a major bowl game. They're playing in the Sun Belt, which is one of the lesser conferences. So mm-hmm. uh, it should be very interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how that pans out because what we've seen from like a program like Florida, uh, Texas in recent years, they haven't really had much patience. Like they're expecting to win big. You can – we'll be talking about Michigan shortly, but – thing with them is they were patient with Harbaugh and look it's paying off they're a win away from going to the college football playoff so uh with all that aside we'll get into the games for this weekend uh we'll start off on Friday night for the CUSA title we have eight and four Western Kentucky uh, we'll be playing at UTSA who is 11 and one seven o'clock kickoff on CBS Sports Network Western Kentucky a one-point favorite Give me the Hilltoppers here, 38-28. I think Zappy is the real deal for Western Kentucky. And UTSA just proved they're in a top 25 team. Uh, Conference USA is the worst conference in the country. And, you know, UTSA just didn't play a good non-conference schedule. I think Illinois was their best non-conference team. Western Kentucky's non-conference featured Indiana, Michigan State, and Army. Three very quality non-conference games. I think that's going to be the big difference here. They're going into the Alamo Dome which will probably be, if I had to guess, one of the biggest crowds in UTSA history this weekend. But um, the fact that they lost really sucked. I would have loved to see yeah. them go 12-0, and maybe even you know if they won this game 13-0. and Declare themselves national champions. I mean, if that's all it takes nowadays, I mean, they should have. That would have been awesome. They should have just stopped the season after 11 games. But I think UTSA is done. I think that win against UAB was like their Super Bowl because UAB kind of ran that conference for the past couple of years, especially in that division. So I think that was their big, you know, kind of like their Super Bowl. Now I think they're done. I just think they're going to, you know, they're going to do their best against Western Kentucky, but I think Western Kentucky is a better football team. So I like Western Kentucky as well. I got them 43-35, like a lot of points in this one. Kind of like you were touching on. They had a – UTSA had a chance to go perfect. I thought that was kind of quiet how that loss was – I mean, I know it's Conference USA, but still, chance to go 12-0 in the regular season doesn't really happen every year. Uh, And they got absolutely destroyed by North Texas. So interested to see how they bounce back in this one with the title on the line. Um, but these are two teams who like to put up points over-unders at 71.5. Zappi, 52 passing touchdowns, nearly 5,000 passing yards. But I think another good story is he was a quarterback at Houston Baptist, and he brought his receiver, Jareth Stearns, with him. He's having an insane season as well. 127 catches, 1,539 yards, and 12 receiving touchdowns for Western K- Kentucky. So that's a dynamic one-two duo. Uh, Hilltoppers are in that seven-game win streak with their last five wins being by at least 20 points. So, And one more thing about this game, you know, with the records, UTSA 11-1, Western Kentucky 8-4. Three of their four losses are to the teams, like I said, Michigan State, who's 11th in the country, 
Indiana, who had a bad year, but still a Big Ten team, mm-hmm. and then Army, who was always great in the triple options, hard to stop. So, yeah. really, if you look, they both have one loss to a Conference USA opponent. So, on paper, I mean, very even teams. So. And all three of those losses were in a row, too, I believe, like late September, early October. So, ever since then, this team has been been, been very sharp. So, I like them in this one, 43-35. Second game, we stay on Friday night. We have number 10, Oregon who's 10-2, and two, will be playing number 17, Utah. Uh, this is at the Raiders Stadium out in Vegas. Uh, Utah 9-3 and three right now. 8 o'clock kickoff on ABC. Utah a three-point favorite. Just beat Oregon two weeks ago, 38-7. Uh, I have Oregon 38-31. I said a few weeks ago that Oregon wouldn't be able to beat Utah twice when I picked them in the first place. And I think that my, predi- well, my prediction is correct. They aren't going to be able to beat them twice. But I think they will be able to win this game here. I think they're the better football team. I just think they're going to be playing pissed off. You know, they got embarrassed. It's not like they lost a three-point game. They got embarrassed. You know, all the people making jokes, oh, Oregon always does this. The Pac-12 always does this to themselves. And Oregon needs to enjoy and get this win now because in a couple of years with Lincoln Riley going out to USC, hmm. the Pac-12 is going to become very hard to win every year. You know, you're going to have you're, you're going to be fine up north, but every year you're going to probably have to be playing USC in the conference title game. So it should be very interesting, and I think that um, – Crystal Ball is going to get the Ducks ready here, and uh, Oregon's going to win this game 38-31. I have Oregon as well, 27-23. I had Utah a few weeks ago. I'm going to flip that pick now to Oregon. Uh, it was a tough pick for me, but I watched the whole the whole game the last time these two teams played, uh, and Utah really just from start to finish beat the brakes off on every facet of the game, uh, even had a punt return for a touchdown. So I'm expecting this one to be a lot closer with it being a neutral site game. I think the better overall team, if you put these teams in a seven-game series at a neutral site, that Oregon comes out winning them. Um, but the Utes had that home field advantage in that last game, and like I said, just had really everything working for them. It just wasn't Oregon night. So uh, this could potentially be Cristobal's last game at Oregon. We haven't seen that Miami job open yet, but if it does, his name's been floated around there. He's a Miami alum. Uh, so this is a game that Oregon is going to be locked in. I think he's going to be dialed in knowing – that this could be potentially his last game for the Ducks. So uh, the main thing, though, in that last game was Utah controlled the time of possession and ran it 50 times for 208 yards on the ground. Oregon allows only 124.3 yards per game on the ground. So they're able to hold Utah around that number and force them to throw it a little bit more. Uh, I think that'll help them get a close win in this one. So I like Oregon 27, Utah 23. Our third game of the week, we go to Saturday now. We have number nine Baylor, who is ten and two, versus number five Oklahoma State, who is eleven and one. OK State is a five-point favorite. This is a twelve o'clock kickoff on ABC. Uh, I have Oklahoma State twenty-seven, Baylor fourteen. I think this is the year that Mike Gundy finally gets a shot at the national title. He's been there forever as an assistant, as a player, as a coach. He's been the head coach here since '05. Uh, he was robbed of his opportunity back in twenty eleven to compete for the national title. His team was eleven and one. Ironically enough, their only loss was at Iowa State, just like this year. And in 2011, the BCS computers at LSU-Bama at 1-2, even though they were in the same division and LSU beat Bama head-to-head. So I think that was very, you know, he got robbed that year. And uh, this year, it's kind of interesting. They're 11-1, currently one spot out of the playoff. But with a chance, you know, they win this game, they should be in. Mm-hmm. I would, Unless Bama beats Georgia, and then the committee decides to keep Cincy at four, which I don't see happening. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati would really have to kill Houston for that to happen. Yeah, But um, I think this is a very tough Cowboys defense without um, Bohannon playing for Baylor. 
I really don't see how they're going to be able to score all that much. So give me the pokes here. Uh, give me Mike Gundy with a chance to finally compete for a national title. Yeah, before I get into it, I just got to update that the Fresno State quarterback, Jake Hayner, is transferring as well. So Really? Yeah, other than if Williams enters the transfer portal, he'll probably be the most coveted quarterback, I think, on the on the market. Um, but his coach just got hired. So Hayner originally was at Washington. Fresno State coach is now going to Washington. So interested to see if Hayner goes back to Washington and follows his coach. Uh, but that's definitely a college football storyline to watch out for in these coming weeks. I think Oklahoma State wins as well, Joe, 27-20 over Baylor. Uh, okay, State won, won that first matchup when they played earlier this year, 24-14 in the defensive battle. Uh, both of these teams have been playing that kind of style all year. Baylor only allowing 19 points per game. OK State a little over 16 a game. So uh, we saw Oklahoma State last weekend against Oklahoma uh, that they can score, and Spencer Sanders is a very dangerous quarterback. He's got a lot of experience from over the years. Uh, major question mark in this game is surrounding uh, Gary Bohannon's hamstring. If he could go at 100%, I think I would lean Baylor in the revenge game. Um, but that injury looked pretty bad a few weeks ago. I don't think he plays. Um, and even if he does play, he won't be 100%, which will limit him because one of his biggest strengths as a quarterback is his mobility. So offense struggled last week against Texas Tech, only winning by uh, a small margin. So I think Oklahoma State wins here uh, with a potential trip to the playoff uh, still on the line. Next game, we go to the MAC. Uh, match and title, we got Kent State at 7-5. and five. At Northern Illinois, who's 8-4, and four. Kent enters as a three-point favorite, a 12 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. I have Kent State winning 32-31 at the home of the Detroit Lions. Not a lot to say here. Picked Golden Flashes last week, so I'm <laughs> running with them again. That's all I got. I didn't watch a lot of the game. Only had the one TV set up back in Beacon Falls, Connecticut. So I was watching um, basically the three big rivalry games last week, so I didn't have a chance to catch my Golden Flashes. But I rode with them last week, riding with them again. I'm riding with Kent State as well, 41-35. I had the fortune of being able to watch two games in one, so – during that 12 o'clock window, I had them on versus Miami of Ohio, and, and their offense actually impressed me, Kent State. They had a running back, Marquez Cooper, electric player, ran for 126 yards, had a few big runs down the sideline. Uh, he's over 1,000 rushing yards on the season right now, so that's, he's what makes that Kent State offense go. Uh, Kent State won the regular season matchup between these two, 52-47, uh, and they bring a very balanced offense to the table. So as we've talked all year, you know I think balance is the key to offense. Uh, and I think Cooper has the ability to burst a couple runs uh, to to win that MAC title. But if not, uh, we will be updating that Northern Illinois flag. Uh, third game, or I believe our third game now on Saturday, we have Utah State at nine and three uh, at number nineteen San Diego State, who's eleven and one. San Diego State five and a half point favorite. It's a three o'clock kickoff on Fox for the Mountain West title. I have no clue how Brady Hoke has led this team to eleven and one. I picked against him so many times when they've been on here. He was terrible at Michigan. He choked his chance at a BCS bowl game um, when he was 12-0 at Ball State back in 07. Um, I believe that the Aztecs are going to win this game, however, in low-scoring fashion. They're built like a Big Ten team. They're built like his Michigan teams. They play good defense, run the ball very well, and um, keep out for the, keep an eye out for the Aztecs here. You know, If Cincinnati were to get upset against Houston, which again we'll talk about in a little bit, the Aztecs – could potentially be the highest-ranked Group of Five conference champ and get into a New Year's Six bowl game. So keep an eye out for that. All right. I'm riding with my Aztecs here. 27-21 over Utah State. Um, Shout-out to them for, for going to the title game. I have been riding with them all year, and there's no sense of turning back now. So very simple game plan for them. They they are like 
Brady Hoke was when he was the coach of Michigan. Um, they have that Big Ten identity to them out in the West Coast. Run the ball and play strong defense, and it has them sitting at eleven and one. So these two teams did not meet up in the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see how they attack each other. San Diego State is going to live and die with their running game on offense and sell out to stop the run on defense, only allowing seventy eight point seven yards per game, just second best in the country. Um, that kind of works though in Utah State's favor as they are a pass happy team, throw the football a lot. But if San Diego State is able to get ahead early and use that formula to success of just running the football, uh, I like them to win the title game here. So 27-21 over Utah State. Uh, next game we go to Sunbelt title game. Uh, App State at 10-2 and will be playing at number 24 ranked Louisiana. Now getting into the rankings for the first time this year, I believe. Uh, they are 11-1. App State enters as a three-point favorite, though. 330 kickoff on ESPN. Uh, I have App State winning this game 35-28. I originally made this pick because I thought Billy Napier was not going to be coaching. You and I were talking about it. It looks like he will be coaching because this will be his last game at Louisiana Lafayette. But I'm not going to change my pick because we need to have more different picks. It makes it more fun. Uh, I think Napier's last game at Louisiana Lafayette, though, is just going to be too much emotion here for the Cajuns to handle. I believe the Mountaineers will come out and pull a victory. I mean, they've been sneaky dominating this conference ever since they moved up to FBS. Besides Coastal Carolina last year, and they didn't even get a chance to play for the conference title because that game got canceled due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So, uh, give me the Mountaineers here. I think you're just going to continue to run this conference until, kind of like how you said last week with, um, you know, picking Ohio State over Michigan, like the Nick Saban call. Until, like, I'm not going to pick against App State to win the conference until someone beats them. Mm-hmm. So, give me uh, the Mountaineers here. I'm riding with Louisiana here, 33-28 over App State. As we touched on earlier with Napier leaving for Florida, I think it's going to be. Important to him and his guys to go out a winner, go out on top, and I think they get the job done here. I'm very surprised to see App State, though, as a favorite. Louisiana won the regular season matchup when these two teams met up 41-13. to So uh, App State being a three-point spread, very confusing to me uh, based off of that last game. Uh, but Utah is only a three-point favorite over Oregon as well after blowing them out. So, uh, But I'm going to take the Asian Cajuns. They have a very experienced and productive left-handed quarterback in Levi Lewis. Uh, him and Napier go out on top together. Louisiana comes into this game riding an 11-game win streak after dropping their season opener to Texas in a very close game. So uh, give me the Raging Cajuns to win the Sun Belt. Uh, Next, the game of the week, probably the game of the year, the one we've had kind of circled all season on our calendar. Um, Almost didn't have the opportunity to get it due to the Iron Bowl with Auburn playing really well for about 95% of that game. (laughs) Uh, but we got number one Georgia coming in at 12-0 undefeated versus number three Alabama, who's 11-1. and uh, Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this matchup. Four o'clock kickoff on CBS for the SEC title. I have Georgia winning this game 28-14. Bama's done nothing to prove to me why they, you know, that they deserve to win this game, that they can win this game. But it's also Nick Saban in Alabama, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Bama win this football game. However, though, I mean, I'm picking Georgia to win. They were my national champion pick back in the preseason. I've been riding with them all season long. And, I mean, their defense is scary how good they are. Uh I just don't understand how Bama's going to be able to block them. Like, you saw what Auburn's defense was able to do against them. And and don't get me wrong, I know it was at Jordan-Hare and it's, you know, the Iron Bowl. But Auburn is a 6-6 and football team that should have, if they didn't have a stupid coach and a bad quarterback with a bum leg who should have been benched, they – Auburn absolutely choked that game away. Bama has no reason to win this football game. It's basically going to be a Georgia home game because the game is in Atlanta. 
even though it's neutral site and Bama will travel well, don't get me wrong. But I think it's going to be a predominantly Georgia heavy crowd. Um, I have money 28-14, but six and a half is a lot of points, especially going against Nick Saban and Bama. So I really don't know. I'm picking Georgia, but I am not confident about this game at all. I'm going to roll with the tide here, 27-24. Since taking over as head coach at Georgia, Kirby Smart is 0-3 against Alabama, and Georgia has actually lost six in a row uh, against Alabama. So another trend here where could they could be due. Um, I think this is probably the best Georgia team I've ever seen, definitely the best team they've had under Kirby Smart. And saying how they've only allowed 6.9 points per game this season playing in the SEC. Uh, but their last five games, they haven't really been tested. They've faced uh, a reeling Florida team. Missouri, Tennessee gave them a, a bit of a battle early. Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. So haven't been really tested recently. I've had all blowouts. Georgia is a better team, but um, I'm kind of using logic that we've seen from sports before. I mean, Bama was down and out last week. It had fourth and seven, I would believe. Was able to convert it, then go down to score, send the game to overtime. Uh, find a way to win. So um, they're probably going to, you know, make a run at another national title, uh, hoist that trophy yet again. Um, I remember a few years ago, it was like the Nationals were down, what was it, like 3-1 in the first round of the playoffs, and then they went on, went on to win the World Series, something crazy like that. So we see this kind of stuff in sports all the time where just when you think a team's done, uh, they, they make another run, and this is Alabama, so you never can rule them out. But I think the, the major question in this game is the quarterback position. All year it's been, is Stetson Bennett good enough in these big games, or, or should we be giving the job back to JT Daniels? Uh, Stetson has played really well all season, but I think Bryce Young is a better quarterback, and I trust him down the stretch more to make a few more plays. So give me the upset here, Alabama 27, uh, Georgia 24. Uh, now we go to the American title where we have number 21, Houston, who is 11-1. At number four, Cincinnati, who's 12-0. Cincy, 10.5-point favorites. Four o'clock kickoff on ABC. I have Cincinnati winning this game 31-28. Bearcats, don't let me down now. Houston has not seen a defense like Cincinnati. I've been saying that a lot when Cincinnati's been our big game. I said the same thing about you know when SMU played them a couple weeks ago. I believe that is going to be one of the big differences. Um, Houston hasn't played a soul since they lost to Texas Tech. We talked about that briefly back when, they, when Houston played SMU, and that game was – you know, part of our big uh, five games. Um, I think that's going to be another, you know, difference. And this game is at Cincinnati. This isn't a neutral site game. This will mm-hmm. be at Nippert Stadium, 4 o'clock. It'll be cold. Houston doesn't, you know, Houston plays down in Texas where it doesn't get cold besides that one ice storm last <laughs> year. Um, I think Fickle will want to go out a winner if he does leave for Cincy. But, I mean, one thing about Cincinnati, coaches have proven that in the past you can win and be in the national title conversation. 09 under Brian Kelly, they were 12 and 0, and then they finished number three in the BCS standings. That was when it was Texas Alabama for the national title that year. This year, they're currently number four with a 12 and 0 record. They win this game. They should most likely be a lock unless Bama beats Georgia. Then you know they could get robbed and finish fifth. But I mean, Cincinnati, I think, is the better football team. That being said, though, it also wouldn't surprise me if they lost because they, you know. Uh, let Navy, who's I think like three and eight right now, hang around. They let like a one and ten Tulane team hang around. So who knows? Yeah, I'm gonna flip the same score, but flip the teams. I'm going with another upset here with Houston 31, Cincy 28. So I'm giving this playoff thing a lot of chaos, uh, a lot of noise. I think right now surrounding Luke Fickle potentially going to Notre Dame to replace Brian Kelly. Uh, it's been really him and Matt Campbell, the names that I've heard most. So I wonder how focused everyone's going to be. Uh, it would be a real shame if you know 
all this nonsense going on off the field is what holds them out of the playoff. Uh, if they're, everyone's head's not screwed on right. But biggest game in school history here for the Bearcats. And they get a tough test though against a Houston team that's riding an 11-game win streak. When you think Houston football, you usually think a high-flying like air raid offense. But this is a very balanced team putting up 38 a game and limiting opponents to 19. So besides the Notre Dame game, this was the toughest test Cincinnati has had yet. Ritter, a very solid quarterback, a guy who's probably going to be a second or third round pick, I would think. Uh, but his this pro-style system relies on a strong running game for success. And Houston is great at stopping the run, only allowing 97 yards per game. So um, I think that that hurts them, doesn't allow them to get into play action. Uh, and Houston gets a big-time upset here, knocking Cincy out of the playoffs. Uh, and I think Luke Fickle will depart for Notre Dame after that. Then we go to the Big Ten title game where we have number two Michigan. I think the surprise team of the year uh, at 11 and 1 will be going, will be playing in uh, Lucas Oil versus number 13 Iowa, who's 10 and 2. Michigan is a 10 and a half point favorite. This is an 8 o'clock kickoff on Fox. I have Michigan 24, Iowa 13. Michigan's defense just matches up so well with this Iowa offense. They cannot throw the ball that well. Michigan defends the run very well. They, you know, were able to keep Ohio State's running game and their passing game too, but, you know, mainly focusing on the running here for this aspect. They were able to keep them in check, not necessarily stop them, but they made Ohio State look very human, and that's why, you know, you saw them kind of get bullied against Michigan last week. And I think mm-hmm. that Aiden Hutchinson isn't going to allow Iowa to score more than two touchdowns. Like, I know 10.5 points is a big spread, but I just don't see how Iowa will be able to score that much. And I think Michigan's just going to out-tough Iowa, and then that's going to be – how they win this game, and potentially, even though I think if Bama beats Georgia, Bama would go to one because that they'd have to justify dropping Georgia to like four. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Michigan has a very slim chance to potentially be the number one team in the country. Yeah. Which, if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have thought there was a zero percent chance. But you know, here we are. I'm rolling with Michigan here as well. I have them winning 27-23 over Iowa. So I think Michigan's going to win, but I think that 10.5 is a lot, and I think Iowa is going to keep it close. At one point in the country, like we were talking about last week, um, previewing that Iowa-Nebraska game, which Nebraska should have won. Yes. Um, this Iowa team is a, was number two in the country at one point. So you're a very good team. Uh, just I think their offensive ceiling was limited due to their passing game. They match up well against Michigan physicality-wise, so I think they'll be able to keep it close. I think Michigan used everything they had in the tank to beat Ohio State, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they came out here uh, a bit flat and sluggish. Uh, that was their Super Bowl last week, so definitely could see them coming out a, a little sluggish, still riding the high from last week. Um, still like you know, thinking about the, the celebration that they probably had and whatnot, uh, but they have a bigger goal here. I think they kind of get it cleaned up in the second half in this one, um, but if Iowa gets ahead, it's going to be hard to come back on them. They have a very strong defense and a very solid running game, play very similarly to Michigan, so uh, it's key, I think, for Michigan to be able to get ahead early in this one. But if they don't, I think they can still make a, a few key adjustments. Uh, Harbaugh, this is one of his better coaching jobs in his coaching career. So I think they get get the win here, 27-23, but I think Iowa does cover. In our last game of the week for conference title weekend, we have the ACC title game. Uh, number 15, Pitt, who's 10-2, and versus number 16, Wake Forest, 10-2. and Pitt, a three-point favorite, 8 o'clock kickoff on ABC. Another game where... Coming into the year, I would have been very surprised if you told me that this was the case. I would have also been surprised, but once again, I will pat myself on the back. Pitt was my surprise <laughs> team, but I also thought Miami and North Carolina were both going, I think, 11-1 and 10-2, and yeah. respectively, or 
whatever that word is. So I think Pitt's going to win this game 49-45 over Wake Forest. I think Kenny Pickett should win the Heisman, but he plays Pitt, and Pitt's a 10-2 team with a loss to Western Michigan on their resume, which is yeah. two weird losses for Pitt. It's so strange. Who's home the other loss one? loss to Western Michigan, a home loss to Miami. Yeah. And this isn't what Miami was in the preseason either. They but, could be. They could have been in the playoff. Yeah, it's it's Pitt. If they won both those games, would we would be talking about Pitt in the playoff right now? Yeah. That's crazy. But uh, I think this is going to be the most entertaining game of the day. I think it'll be a mirror opposite, you know, compared to the Big Ten title game because both these games will be eight o'clock kickoffs. Um, Which I think is kind of dumb as well. Yeah, but like, should, put like should, one of them at like six. Yeah, they should space out all the Power Five games. I agree. Do like twelve, two, four, six, eight. That, yeah, because at least when you get one at like half, you get the other one kicking off. Yeah, but that would make too much sense. So um, I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. I think uh, Hartman for Wake Forest it should also be in the talk for the Heisman, but once Kenny plays at Wake Forest, um, these are two teams that you know you would never expect to be in the conference title game. And Pitt, they said, could first time ever in the history of their program win an outright football conference title they were independent for a while back in the day. Mm-hmm. Then the Big East, they were co-champs a couple times, but never outright champions. So um, that would be really crazy to see. And I think that, you know, they're going to be able to do it. And this is going to be Narduzzi's best year at Pitt. You'll see them in the Orange Bowl playing potentially Notre Dame with no coach. So Pitt could be a 12-2 and football team. Yeah. I think Pitt's going to win this one as well. I got them 41-37, so a little bit more low scoring than you, but still the overhidden. Uh I got just written down here though. Who who would have thought this would have been the ACC title game like we were talking about? Uh, big time shout out though to to Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman. Uh, they've had awesome seasons. I think Hartman going into next year should be regarded as one of the Heisman favorites. Dave Clawson just signed a big extension with Wake Forest, so he'll be back. This offensive scheme will be back. Uh, he should be able to have a good day. Over under sets a seventy two and a half, so I like that over to hit uh, a lot of points in this one. I think in a game like this, it comes down to experience and turnovers, and Pitt has both on their side. Kenny Pickett, I believe, is a fifth-year quarterback. Um, he only the, the Pitt offense only has 14 turnovers on the year. Uh, Wake, Wake has 16, so not that big of a margin, but still. Sam Hartman has 10 interceptions on the season. I think their offense is a little bit more turnover-prone just because of the amount that they throw the football. Pitt is a more balanced offense, so uh, I think look, look for a turnover late here for the for the difference in this one, uh, Pitt downs Wake Forest to be ACC champs. Uh, but that'll do it for our conference title pick. So what's the next show? We'll do a bowl game season starting up? Yeah, bowl game, and then we'll have a playoff. playoff. Then we'll have a national title show. Yeah. So, we only got a couple shows left. Yeah, a couple shows left. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll talk soon.